0: I started like just noticing that all my joints and my pelvis especially was just like in a lot of pain, like just, and yeah, the moving, especially just trying to roll over in bed, it would take me a solid 60 seconds to turn even from the side to my back or vice versa. And I was like, this is like not normal. Like something's clearly not right.
1: You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Lisel Teen. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see MommyLaborNurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast, I'm excited to share Natalie Portman and her birth story with you guys. No, not the actress, but her name is Natalie Portman. Natalie reached out to me to share the story of her positive natural birth. When she reached out to me, she explained that she initially wasn't interested in trying to go unmedicated for labor and delivery, but after listening to the MLN podcast, taking the Birth It Up course, and listening to audiobooks and etc., she felt empowered to give it a try. After giving birth she 100% agrees that labor and delivery is absolutely a mind game. It's not what's happening as much as it is what you tell yourself what's happening. Yeah. Natalie hopes that her story will help women who are on the fence about unmedicated birth or that they are just scared about giving birth in general to know that although you can control everything about the situation, there is still a lot you can do. In her words, knowledge is power and trust is power. And if you've been around here for a little while, then you know I could not agree more with that statement. Let's get right into Natalie's story. So tell me, Are you one of an estimated 80% of pregnant women that's hoping to give birth without an epidural? I hate to break it to you, but simply wanting it might not be enough. After the unmedicated birth of my first son, Walter, I knew I had to create an affordable online birth class designed just for moms that wanted to do the same. And that's how Birth It Up The Natural Series was born. Learn more about how to make your dream of a natural hospital birth a reality at mommylabornurse.com slash naturalbirth. You can totally do this and we can help. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor and a a privilege to be here. Yeah, yeah. So excited. Well, we are doing a birth story today, guys. Natalie, do you mind just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, all that good stuff?
0: Yeah. So my name is Natalie Portman. No, I'm not the celebrity, but I have her name. I am from Jacksonville, Florida, born and raised here. I live here with my husband, Brian, and my daughter, Ellie, who we're going to be talking about her birth story today. Yeah, so I'm a stay at home mom. And I'm actually training to become a doula. So that's like something really fun that new, but I'm very excited and, and always excited to tell my birth story. So again, thank you so much for having me today.
1: Yeah, love it. Awesome. Well, how old is Ellie now?
0: She's nine months.
1: Okay. So she's, I know. Yeah. I know. It goes by. She's getting big.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Crazy.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, usually what I have people do is kind of go back to the beginning. Tell me, you know, getting pregnant, all of that good stuff, how your first trimester was, second trimester, third trimester, and then we can go into your birth story. Perfect.
0: Yeah. So Brian and I were actually super blessed and we were able to get pregnant our first try or I had an IUD, I still have one now, I got one afterwards, but with an IUD, I wasn't having regular periods, So I had no idea when I would be ovulating. And so I actually did like those ovulation strips to find out when we could even possibly conceive. And so those were super great. And through that, yeah, we were able to get pregnant first try. We were like in shock. We actually found out, on our one-year wedding anniversary that we were pregnant. So that was kind of cool. So super great and easy right out the gate, which I know is you know huge. So many women do not have that experience. So very, very thankful. The pregnancy was actually really great. First trimester, we had a scary little incident happen where I had some pretty heavy bleeding the first... I think I was like 10 weeks or so. And long, long, long story short, after two ER visits and like being afraid of miscarrying and just, it was craziness. Come to find out I had a subchorionic hematoma, which I know you had that as well. I did. Um, I did. I'm like, are
1: we the same person? This is like my exact story. (laughs) I know. I know. I was
0: like, even her husband's named Brian too. I was like, what are the odds? (laughs) Funny.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Those, so we had that bleeding is so scary. Anytime you see is. it, like, oh my gosh, especially yes. before. I mean, anytime in pregnancy, when you see it, it's scary, but especially like in that first trimester, when you kind of know you're pregnant because you peed on a stick and yeah, you have some morning sickness or yeah, you have some symptoms, but like, there's no baby kicks in there or anything. So you're like, oh my God, blood. So scary.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so it was so scary because I had no idea that was, even a thing that you know you could bleed like that, that heavily. And I had really severe cramps with it too. So I was just like, instantly like, oh, I'm miscarrying. But thankfully it was not, everything was okay. And then into like second trimester, it was great. Third trimester, I was having a lot of pelvic pain. I ended up getting symphysis pubis dysfunction. So yeah, just a lot of that relaxin hormone just causing my pelvis to be way too mobile. I couldn't even sleep on my side. Like I know that's the best way to sleep when you're pregnant, but I I literally couldn't, I would hear my pelvis like cracking up against itself. Yeah. It was awful. So, so yeah, I was like sleeping on my back, like propped up. My doctors were were fine with that. And and I functioned um, as best as I could with all that pain, but still trying to be active. I was doing Pilates throughout my entire pregnancy up until I want to say like the last couple of weeks of of pregnancy. And
1: when did you get the symphysis pubis?
0: It started, I want to say early third trimester. I started like just noticing that all my joints and my pelvis especially was just like in a lot of pain, like just, and yeah, the moving, especially just trying to roll over in bed, it would take me a solid 60 seconds to turn Even from the side to my back, or vice versa. And I was like, this is like not normal. Like, something's clearly not right. So, I actually did, um, I went to a physical therapist and I had them just show me a couple exercises I could do to kind of help, you know, offset, you know, that pain. And tip here if they give you some exercises, like just take those exercises and roll with it. You don't have to continue going back they wanted me in there like three times a week. And I'm like, my insurance is going to like freak out. And like, they're like, we're not gonna pay for this anymore. So, you know, if, that, if you do come across that, like, I feel like that's a good tip is just get some exercises and try and just do the best you can. Cause there's really not much they can do, you know? No,
1: no. So, I mean, you can do, you can, yeah, exactly. You can see what's it called? Physical therapist, chiropractic care sometimes people say is good for that yes i but... loved
0: my chiropractor chiropractic care all the way that was super helpful to help get that pelvic pain manageable as well and then just yeah keep moving and and stay hydrated and just do all the good things that you know you need to be doing you know even if it's painful just a little bit even like the stretches like on spinning babies like just doing some of those little stretches those daily activities, super super helpful get on your on your birth ball and just bounce on the birth ball just something minor so yeah just tried i just tried to do everything i could um to stay mobile even though i was in you know a good amount of pain
1: yeah yeah that sucks i know i hear that frequently with people with that symphysis pubis dis- dysfunction and it's very very painful i know but that's really good advice to just keep moving because i know that that it's like su- you're thinking that's like the opposite of what you want to do, but it really does help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Let's go into kind of the days leading up to when you gave birth. Tell me what, did you go over your due date? Were you not quite at your due date? Did you get induced or like what? Tell me those, what those days consisted of.
0: So the days leading up to it, I was all into all of the methods that you would recommend for like cervical ripening. I was Do into yeah. all of the things. Like,
1: yeah.
0: um, I had my labor prep tea, which is like red raspberry leaf tea base with like a couple other like herbs and things in it. I ate tons of pineapple. I love dates. Although the dates are so sweet. What I, I recommend trying if you like peanut butter is get like unsweetened, like just like plain peanut butter or almond butter or something put a little bit of that on top of it and like a couple chocolate chips. And that's to me, like that was super yummy and just not like super, super sweet. So yeah, tons of dates. I did acupressure. So like I bought like a little acupressure tool. I did like certain little acupressure points on myself. I would hand express uh, colostrum just to kind of like get that nipple stimulation, but also to kind of just practice being able to hand express some colostrum if I needed to do that. And it certainly did come in handy later. Spicy food. I love spicy food anyway. Yeah. Curb it's just walking. A bonus, you
1: know, uh, yeah. <laughs> you
0: like <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, curb walking. Cool. And yeah, we had like spicy food the night before I went into labor and I had, we had sex that night. And so all those things like got me into labor. So I actually went over two days past my due date and the day before I went into labor. So this is the day after my due date. I had scheduled, I'd like put on the books an acupuncture appointment, you know, just in the event that I did go past my due date. So I did schedule that appointment and I had an appointment with my OB that same day, like that afternoon. So after getting the acupuncture, I went into my OB and she checked me and I was actually already at that point, three centimeters dilated and 80% effaced. So like super, you know, super ripe and like kind of, I could tell my body was like gearing up. And when she was doing the cervical check, she actually asked me if she wanted, if I would want her to do a membrane sweep. And I was like, sure. Like I'm a day past my due date. go for so it, man. She, yeah. yeah, exactly. So she she did do that. And yeah, between all the, the things I was doing to like naturally, you know, induce and get myself ready. The next morning I woke up And was feeling a little crampy, and I had a lot of Braxton Hicks in my last uh, trimester, so I didn't think too much of it. Um, And I also didn't want to like psych myself out too much, you know. If it was labor, I was like, I'm just kind of, kind of relax and chill. And so I didn't think too much of it. Was making my breakfast, and I'm mixing up my oatmeal that morning, and I remember I, I. Was mixing my oatmeal and like felt my first contraction and I was like whoa like that felt different and I looked at the clock to like see what time it was I was like oh six o'clock okay that's the the first like noticeably different time. contraction yeah yes exactly <laughs> cool. so I told my husband I was like yeah I think I think that was like a legitimate contraction so I was like I finished my my breakfast and I hopped in the shower because I wanted to you know feel clean and like ready for the day if, if this was like you know Labor Day. Texted my mom and my sisters. Um, my youngest sister lives in Gainesville, so like I knew she would have to try to get her and her son packed up and try to come meet us. So I was like, I think this is it. Uh, we'll see. So I'm taking a shower, trying to you know get through those contractions that I'm having in the shower. I obviously was not timing them at that point because I was still showering, but I did start timing them when I got out, and they were already pretty like consistent. I was having a contraction every minute and a half, every minute to minute and a half, lasting a minute to a minute and a half. Like it came on like pretty like hot, hot and heavy, like right out the gate. And so I called my OB's office at like 8am to let them know that I thought I was in labor. And I told them that I had been timing my contractions for about an hour at that point and what the pattern was. And they're like, yeah, like go ahead and come in. And I was shocked. I was like, "What?" Because in my mind, I had prepared to be in labor at home for hours and hours yeah. and hours.
1: That's what and I so tell I was- you <laughs> in the course. I'm like, prepare yes. for this. But if it's not that way, you know, like it's it's like a whoo-hoo moment.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, we got to get this hospital bag packed like ASAP. Because a lot of stuff, like a lot of toiletries and stuff, I was just going to pack last minute. And thinking again, I was going to have hours to do this. You know, it was fine, but when they were like, Okay, come in, I was like, Oh, wow, okay, I gotta get all my stuff together and snacks and different things together. Luckily, my older sister lives only twenty minutes away from me. So she actually came over and helped me pack. So I would be like having a contraction and then I would like in my minute break, I would tell her like where stuff was or what it needed to be packed, and then she would like throw it in the suitcase for me. So it was so wonderful to have her there with me. And Brian was like running around like a chicken with his head cut off, like trying to get stuff packed up for him too. So yeah, so My older sister, she actually had, she had two natural or unmedicated births. And so she used a TENS machine. She had her, her little ones over in the UK and that's very popular in Europe. So I had a TENS machine. She went and put that on my back and, oh, it was amazing. Like I loved that TENS machine. It was just like really great. And kind of like right out the gate too, I I could already tell I was like establishing like a, a rhythm and a ritual. I would take like a deep cleansing breath at the start of the contraction and put my arms out on the bed and just kind of lean over the bed and sway and, and like do like a low vocalizing kind of like sound tone moan kind of thing. Cause I knew like high pitches would, would tighten, but like the low pitch would, would relax and open. So that was kind of like my, my ritual. And eventually I, I also was like, somebody do hip squeezes. Like I wasn't having back labor, but it just felt so good to like get the double hip squeeze. So basically constantly everyone was doing that to me. God bless them. So we get to the hospital at nine 30 and I go to triage and the nurse said that I was five and a half centimeters, 80% effaced. So only you know a couple hours, and I'd already gone a couple centimeters, and, and and about the same effacement. So not much change there. But she actually asked me. She was like, "Are you planning on do- doing a unmedicated?" And I said, "Yeah." She's like, "Yeah, I can tell. Like no. you're, you're,
1: you can do this." And I was like, <laughs> like oh, thanks. Co- cool, yeah. calm, and collected." She must have picked up on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I just thought that was crazy because I just was doing what came naturally to me. Like I, I like my body just knew what to do. And so it was really awesome because I just felt like I could I could just lean into those instincts and it was like getting me where I needed to be. So that was really encouraging.
1: Yeah, I bet it gave you like just a boost of confidence too. It
0: absolutely did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like I said, my sister, my younger sister, joined us from Gainesville, and this was during COVID. So the rule at the time at the at the hospital was just two people at a time could be with me. So my husband stayed there the whole time. And my mom and my two sisters, they would all rotate and take a turn spending time with me. And like, that was really fun because I really wanted them to all be there with me the whole time. But obviously we, we couldn't do that. So we made the most of it. But in my room, we um, had music playing. I made an amazing music playlist ahead of time. And I like listened to it and meditated about it just to kind of like get myself in the zone leading up to it. Cause music is like really, really powerful for me. So I, I made a really good playlist. I had um, lavender oil diffusing. I bought some led candles. We tried to keep the lights low. So it just, it, the ambiance was like super just me like it was just me like what I like surrounded by people that I wanted to be there and so that just put me in the in the right headspace to feel safe and to feel relaxed and so that was really great. Uh, I was GBS positive so I did have to do antibiotics so they started that around like noon-ish and so they the doctor came in and checked me And she said that I was already eight centimeters and 90% effaced. So within, I was like 10, like two plus hours, I had gone another three, almost three centimeters. So that was kind of cool. And so I had established like that ritual of leaning over the bed and swaying, but it was tiring my upper body. And so my mom and sisters were like, how about we have you lean over something? So we repurposed a birthing stool and threw a sheet over it. And I just kind of leaned my, my upper body as I stood up, but just lean my upper body. I was able to just kind of relax my face, my jaw, my shoulders, my arms, just kind of like just melt into, you know, that kind of laying down. And I think that that helped kind of conserve some energy because yeah, I was not realizing it, but I was like wearing myself out unknowingly. Because i I did want to stand up, like that that felt more comfortable to me than sitting down. So we did that. And then my doctor came back in, and she checked me again, like at three forty, so only three a little over three hours of me laboring at that point. And I actually had no cervical change. So I stalled for those like three or so hours. And they asked if I wanted to get my water broken. And originally on my birth plan, like I did not want to have it artificially ruptured, but knowing that that can kind of speed things up. I was like, you know, it's been three hours, no change. Let's do it. Like I I felt like in control of that decision. And so we we went forward with it. And then my first contraction after that was so intense. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. It, it was like basically twice as pain. I mean, but luckily up to that point, I felt like my pain level was like five or six, like super, you know, manageable. And then, then after that, it was like, okay, this is like a 10, <laughs> like, whoa. And I, I actually cried. I think I scared my husband, but I was like, this is a release. Like, I just, I just need to emotionally release this right now. And so I like tried to reassure him and I think my mom was there at the time. I was like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. It's just, this is really intense. And so, yeah, that was not fun, but luckily I was in transition and an hour later I was fully dilated. So it did work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Decision. Cool. Yes. So, yeah, so I started pushing, but I was doing it ineffectively. Like I was like screaming in pain. And the labor and delivery nurse was so sweet. And she was like, okay, let's, let's try that again. Let's use less of the energy you're using to vocalize and, and just like push, like bear down and, and push. Once she kind of helped refocus that energy, I was pushing much more efficiently. Um, and I, that was actually the one and only time I ever like screamed out like that, luckily. So yeah, it was super intense. But then um, I started feeling... Ellie my daughter like I I literally felt her moving down my birth canal which was like really insane that I could feel that like feel that that intense movement and pressure but it was also like super cool like I I just like very distinctly like remember that feeling
1: yeah painful but cool right yeah yeah
0: exactly <laughs>
1: All right, the sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies, babies who birth it up and mamas who birth it up. (laughs) All right, this mom says, I had a surprise unmedicated birth. Ooh, I truly thought I would get the epidural, but I took your natural birth course just in case. I'm glad you did. I labored at home two days, went and dilated to a nine, woo, and had no time for an epidural. Pushed for 20 minutes, used what I learned from you and was so empowered and proud of my body. Yes, girl, I love that. Baby boy was eight pounds, 11 ounces, pretty big. <laughs> and it was the best birth experience. Thank you so much. Oh, I love it. All right, if you want to check out the course that this mama took, she took Birth It Up, the natural series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the natural series. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode.
0: So then, you know, while you're pushing, like you're pouring sweat. So my husband had a like cold lavender towel on my head and that was super great. Like just super calming for me. And on my birth plan, I had also specified hot perineal compress. And the labor and delivery nurses I had were so incredible, like so supportive of me, studied my birth plan. And at one point she brought in the hot compress for me and was applying that. And that was just, that meant so much to me that she was studying those details of my birth plan and and was implementing them. So that meant a lot to me. So although it was really intense, the pushing phase, I distinctly remember just feeling very determined. Like I wasn't defeated. I was in pain, but I wasn't suffering. That just like helped me to keep going on. Like I felt like what I was doing was worth it and it's doing something good. So I I loved that it was purposeful
1: pain. That's often an affirmation that a lot of people have written or they say during labor, like the pain, pain with purpose. Yes,
0: exactly. So, so true and i actually looking back at one of the videos that my mom took during the delivery they were they could tell like it was like one or two more pushes until my daughter was going to be born they started putting the blankets up on my chest and like very weakly i was just like can can we do exact skin to skin like direct skin to skin and like me like barely being able to even tell them this but they're like oh yeah 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 and so they like start taking off the blanket so they could put her like directly on my bare chest. So if that happens to you, like speak up, like if you can and, and just tell them, remind them of what you need. So then, yeah, I, I pushed her out that one last time after an hour of pushing and she was born at 609. So what's funny about that is it was on 6-9, June 9th at 6.09 oh. and she weighed 6.9.
1: Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> I, got I know. Chills. I was like, <laughs>
0: yeah. I was like well, okay, this is kind of creepy, but like super cool. And then plus it helped me remember what time everything yeah. happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is too yeah. cool. Yeah. And then we were able to do delayed cord clamping and Brian, my husband, cut the cord. And unfortunately I did tear a little bit. Um, it wasn't too bad, but they did um, stitch me up. And it just kind of took away my, my focus from like being able to like revel in that moment because, you know, it was painful getting stitched up, especially unmedicated. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, you know, did some like local stuff, but I mean, even that is painful. So
1: it's like the tugging, it's like a weird tugging feeling. Yes. That you, it's yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not it's the most just not fun. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I do remember that unfortunately, but once that was done, it was almost and after I delivered the placenta, it was like all is calm, all is bright. Like everything was perfect after that. I I just was like on a high. I literally was in disbelief that I had like just delivered a baby unmedicated. Like I I was like in disbelief that I had done it and so thankful and so grateful that you know, it was uncomplicated, that nothing crazy happened that she, my daughter and I were, were both healthy and yeah, like the overwhelming feeling of love and gratitude I had was something unlike anything I've ever felt in my whole life.
1: That's so great. I hear that. It was super great. I hear that so often too. And that's, that just makes us so happy as, you know, care providers that we can help moms feel that way after they give birth because it just sets you up in in such a great way to go into motherhood
0: absolutely no it's so true it, it like empowered me in a way i never could have imagined into those first weeks that are so so new and so rough in so many ways but every time i think about my birth story like I'm like, "Wow, but I did that so like I can get yeah. through this, so yeah, it's so, so true, and then actually we we sang her a song once she was born. There's a song called "The Blessing" by Bethel, and it's it comes from numbers six twenty four through twenty six and like just saying that, or I sang that to her when I was pregnant, and when she was born, Brian and I, you know, sang that to her, and it was just like a sweet moment of you know, I'm, I've been praying and and singing these blessings over her, but like, now that she's here, I get to like sing them like directly to her while she's resting on my chest. And so that was really sweet. If you're a singer, even if you're not, you know, sing to your baby and, and just let them know, like they are safe with you and, and your voice is so amazing to them. And so I loved that we had that opportunity to do that.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. You're so right. And you know what? Even if you're not a singer, you everybody can talk, right? So like just talk to them and because they hear your voice while they're inside and they recognize that voice so well. So it's so that's why this you know, singing, especially if you're singing during pregnancy and you're singing afterwards, singing lullabies. I mean, gosh, like they babies love singing, talking. It just reminds them of, oh,
0: I, I know this voice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or even like reading a book, like yes. familiar books are, yes. are wonderful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think
1: it's like the the rise and like when your voice is going up and down, it's something about that when you're reading a book that it like, it's not that they're even looking at the pictures or anything. It's like, they're hearing you talk differently than you would talk to a person. I don't know. It's yeah, hard to explain. Exactly. I don't yeah. know very much about it, but that's just my best guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So I want to talk about, before we wrap up, I want to talk about your postpartum recovery and how that was. And if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your breastfeeding journey as well.
0: Yeah. So also loved your tip on the padsicles, those were amazing. Yeah. I put lavender oil in the witch hazel, which made it just smell nicer. Like the witch hazel on its own. I'm not a huge fan of that that scent, but yeah, the lavender and the witch hazel and the aloe, those are super great. Um, like I said, I didn't tear too bad. I had like two first degree tears and luckily the recovery from that was pretty simple. I think I accidentally re one of the stitches But because it was such a minor tear, I went in to see my OB about it. And she was like, honestly, it's going to be more painful for me to restitch you. So I just kind of let it heal the way it is. Um, She's like, if you had delivered at a birth center, they probably would have not even stitched you up at all. So, you know, totally up to you. I was like, we're going to leave it. That's fine. I do not want to have to be restitched again. So postpartum, I also did placenta encapsulation and I loved that the girl who, who did mine, she actually came to my home the day we get, we got back from the hospital and, uh, we had my placenta, like put in like a little cooler thing at the hospital, brought it home, put it in the fridge. She came and picked it up. And then the next day had the capsules for me and a tincture. So I was, I did my placenta encapsulation stuff. And I, I truly believe that that helped with the hormones and with breast milk production. So highly recommend that if that is something you're at all interested in and do some more research on somebody who's a good placenta encapsulator in your area.
1: Yeah. That's what I always tell people. Like, and you know what? For what it's worth, if it makes you feel better, like who cares if it's a placebo effect or not, right? Right. Like who cares? (laughs) Yes. But yeah, that's the advice that I always give people too, is just if you're gonna do that, there are there's no like regulations here in the US for that kind of stuff. So you just have to kind of do your research and make sure that the the person that you're choosing is doing it in a clean and safe manner.
0: Absolutely. Yes. But yeah, the breastfeeding initially was a little bit challenging. She just wasn't super interested in breastfeeding in the beginning. And of course, we had to, you know, get our 8 to 12 times a day in, you know, the beginning. And eventually like she definitely caught on and she was a great nurser, but it was, you know, stressful for me. She at her 5 day pediatrician visit had like lost i think just below 10% of her body weight and so luckily my pediatrician was like it's okay like we don't need to panic but luckily like my milk had just come in like the day before that appointment and so i was able to exclusively breastfeed i'm still exclusively breastfeeding but let me tell you like breastfeeding is so rewarding and so, so challenging. I wish that I had prepared myself more. Like I even took the milkology course and I loved, loved, loved that. But I think you mentally need to prepare yourself for breastfeeding exclusively to be a full-time job. The fact that my daughter, she's nine months old, but you know I'm still having to nurse her five times a day And so it kind of just changes the whole dynamic of the day and kind of how you to schedule everything you do. And we struggled a little bit in the beginning until she was maybe like four months old for her to even take a bottle. She refused to take a bottle. And so just trying to be patient with introducing her to breast milk from a bottle and, you know, like that's super vital because, you know, I have to be able to, leave her sometimes, you know, for some period of time. And, and so that was really stressful at the time, but thankfully she got a hold of it. And so now we just kind of do one to two bottles a week just to kind of keep her, her, you know, bottle sucking memory. Yeah.
1: Like she's like, Oh, don't make her forget about it or anything just in case you have to go somewhere. Yeah, no, that's smart. And I mean, you said you're staying at home now, but I mean, stay, moms who stay at home, they have to go and be away from their babies sometimes. So it's, I always say, it's always good to try and introduce that bottle at some point. Like, even if you think, no, I'm not going to, it's like, no, you don't know. You know, you might have to be somewhere for a few hours and I don't know. Or you might have to, like, I've heard of people, you know, you get into a car accident or something and you're at the, you're at the emergency department forever, and the, it's like you just never know what's going to happen. So it's always good to try and introduce that bottle and have baby at least, at least able to do that. You know, it really if needed.
0: Yes, well, and then also like if the other reason why it was super important for us to kind of get the bottle established too is like if she gets sick or something, and we got to give her some Pedialyte. How is she going to get the Pedialyte if she refuses to drink from anything besides the breast? And so. Yeah. Just super important to kind of just have that. And and kind of the way that made sense to me was it's like the baby being bilingual, like breastfeeding and bottle feeding, different muscles are working to you know be able to get that sucking reflex just right. So once I was like, okay, I just need to try to teach her how to speak this bottle language, so to speak. But yeah, it's worth it. it like It's very challenging. It can be very challenging, but very, very much worth the mental ease of, if you need to take a break, if, if you need to go get your nails done or get your hair done or something, or go to a doctor's appointment, you know, you're not worried about trying to perfectly time that, that nursing session, you know, around
1: that. Right. And I think it, for most babies, it gets easier as they get older because they're getting older and they're getting more efficient, but you're also getting more experience and more efficient when nursing too. So.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I love this. Well, this is such a great way to end this episode. Natalie, can you do you mind sharing where people can find you? Do you have like a social media you want to share for people to follow along? Yeah.
0: So, my personal one is it's Natalie Portman, I T S, Natalie Portman. And then I started my doula Instagram. I'm working on a website as well, but I just have the Instagram handle right now for doula business, but it's Natalie Portman, doula services.
1: Very cool. Very cool. We'll link both of those in the show notes page and yeah, for people to check out if they want to connect with you. Thank you so much. This was fabulous.
0: Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it.
1: All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to slash podcast. For today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.